Welcome, everybody, to episode 114 of the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Gatillo, joined by Mike Bataraki, and we are going solo tonight, Mike. Just me and you. Solo duo. We can we can make it work. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, you know, Coach John and Coach Dave are dealing with some uh, power issues because we had, like, uh, an act of God come through here a little earlier. Kind yeah, of take like, everything out. Our Armageddon this afternoon blew through in about a 20-minute 20 minute window it was it was pretty wild man I, i'll tell you i'm, I'm a I, I think i've said this on air before i'm kind of like a storm chaser i love the storm so it was literally as soon as it happened as soon as it was done i got my car and i'm riding around i want to see the damage i want to you know i i don't know what it is but i feel like i want to be in like the movie twister one of those tin can like hurricane mobiles and, and go measure tornadoes i think it would be really fun <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, and hey, I, I got to give a big shout out to Kate Bilo today because I, I'm literally like just sitting down to eat lunch and I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see I see a post from Kate Bilo that says secure all outdoor furniture. And I literally grabbed my, my two deck chairs and my table and put them in storage and no sooner did I close the door to the storage room that all hell broke loose. So big ups to Kate Bilo for the warning today. Yeah, I think she's your number one, isn't she, when you come to uh, weather people? I think we've talked about this before. She, well, I mean, if we're talking just based on looks, she's up there. Yeah, she Sheen is gone. So I mean, now, now that she now <laughs> now that Sheen is back on the West Coast, yeah, I mean, Kate Bilo is definitely up there. We got to Yeah, we got to Can't forget about Kathy Orr, man. I'm just uh, just throwing it out there. You can't get, you can't talk about weather without bringing out the veterans. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Are you, <laughs> you 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 telling Grandpa that he needs to stick with the older meteorologist? Nah, not at all. Just say you know we got to give love to the vets too. You know, oh that, yeah, give, you give know, me some Kathy or Kathy or some Cecily Tyne, and it's all good. Cecily, yeah, Cecily's you know, she's still the test of time. I tell you that she there definitely does. But talking about tornadoes and talking about hurricanes, I mean this this sports season that hasn't even begun yet has, has taken us through so many loops and so many turns and so many drags. And, and now it looks like we have NBA at, we're definitely going to have an NBA season, uh, which is, it, it looks, obviously it's going to look a lot different than we're used to when we're talking about, it's the 16 teams and tw- you know, we're talking about 22 teams. And I think we're going to get into why, I mean, let's just get into it now. Why, well, why is there an extra eight or extra six teams in this format? Well, I, I think I, I do give the NBA a little bit of credit in the sense that I think what they did is they looked at where teams were in the standings when the schedule stopped and said, okay, if the season would have concluded, which teams would have had a realistic chance of making the playoffs? And they said, okay, so these are all the teams that had a realistic chance those are going to be the ones that continue the season. The thing that cracks me up is only nine from the East, but 13 from the West. So mm, could, could, could that be the Zion and John Morant factor coming into play Uh, here? You know, that's exactly what it is. I mean, listen, (laughs) this is a global entity, right? They already, you know, they're, they're going to take a hit financially anyway so what better way to you know to get everybody more involved in this new format than to bring 
two of the youngest, best superstars in the league. You know, two young ambassadors of the game, so to speak. But I don't think they're going to have a problem with people watching. I really oh, no. don't. I, especially if, especially if there's no Major League Baseball this summer, which appears to be a very real possibility. I, I the NBA will probably dominate TV this summer. Yes. But it, it's just you know it, it's funny that they're going to go into this this you know abbreviated you know eight game sprint to the playoffs, and only one team from the East is going to get eliminated, while you know, five teams from the West are going to get eliminated. And and you, and you know that there's certain coaches out West, Greg Popovich, (laughs) that are going to be much more, you know, much more ready and, and better prepared for that eight game sprint than some other coaches. So, you know, if they want to give new Orleans and, and Memphis every opportunity to make the playoffs, that's great. But, you know, the NBA shouldn't be surprised if there's some spoilers ready to, to not allow that to happen. No, I think you, you, you pose a great point because, you know, this is this is unique. And and when we talk about whether it be the NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, if it does come back, the NBA, this is going to be about coaching more than anything. You know, how, how, did, how did you – this whole layover, our whole layoff, I should say, and bring these guys back, get them up to speed, get them used to a different format, or, you know, get them ready. I mean, I'm talking to you, Brett Brown. I mean, it, we, we, we've had these issues with Brett over the course of the season. How is he going to come out? What is going to happen with this Sixers team? You know, do do they have that? I mean, listen, stiff competition, whether we've been walking in Boston, we've already talked about it. I mean, could this work in their favor or could this be like a death blow to, to Brett Brown? Well, my personal opinion is there may not be a team in the NBA who has benefited from this time off more than the Philadelphia 76ers. And I will give you three reasons. Number one, Joel Embiid, 100% healthy and well-rested. Number two, Brett Brown has a little bit of time to do some film study, not only on other teams around the league, but also his own team, especially with the changes that were made mid-season to the roster and the rotation. And number three, and this is certainly the last but not least because it's the biggest factor, you have a healthy Ben Simmons ready to return to the lineup. You know, it, it's a great point. And the one thing I want to say, though, is, you know, in a funny way, not really, but, but listen, you talk about Joel Embiid, you know, and, and the question's going to have to be out there. You know where I'm going with this. Is he in you know, shape? Yes, absolutely. I mean, is he? I, and, I, you know, listen, we all know, Joel Embiid during a season couldn't stay in shape. And now you're giving him two months off. And I mean, can we expect him to come back and be like, wow, this dude looks lean and good? I, I, I don't know. And the other thing I want to say is it's just almost like an oxymoron. To, and the reason why I say that is Brett Brown's biggest defense and a lot of people in the media's biggest defense all, and a lot of TTPers' biggest defense was – the team needs time to gel together. Okay, well, for two months, they haven't done anything. Right. Right? So so if they come in and they play well, you could take that whole argument about needing time to gel together out of the equation because guess what? 
you know, that to me, that was always an excuse. And I think either it's going to prove that it was more of an excuse now if they play well, if that makes sense. It does. It actually makes a lot of sense. But my, my counterpoint to that would be a very open-ended, can you? Because what happens if the eight-game sprint to the playoffs and then even the first couple rounds of the playoffs become a throw-the-ball-up-and-go, kind of the way things are in the, uh, the summer league that we see in you know, Vegas and L.A. and whatnot. And, and really the coaching doesn't necessarily come back into play until the later rounds of the playoffs. I don't have an answer to that. But I think it's going to be interesting to see, does coaching, you know, on the, on the upper echelon of the standings, does coaching really become that big of a factor or do they toss the ball up and go versus like we were talking about Western Conference, you know, a, a coach like Popovich, you know, might navigate the waters to get his team in while other teams are going to fall by the wayside. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's what – makes this so important for Brett Brown because, you know, we know the statements from management before this started about NBA finals are bust, basically. I mean, that's exactly, you know, basically what they were imposing on his reign if he would be back. And, you know, now it's going to be interesting to see, you know, just like the NBA champion this year, is it it going to have an asterisk next to its name? Should it have an asterisk next to its name? And if the the, uh, 76ers go out early, is it an excuse to bring Brett Brown back? Or is it an asterisk for Brett to say, you know what? We're good. You know what, Brett? It, you know, the situation that presented itself, obviously nobody could have, you know, put themselves forward into that scenario and said, okay, you know what? We can predict what can happen two months from now. We're going to bring you back for another year. Or do they just say, listen, we've seen enough prior to the stoppage that it's still time to go. Because, Mike, if it's me, he's going. I I know. I understand that. And my whole thing with Brett is this is a team last year that was literally one bounce and a tenth of a second away from going to the NBA Finals, in which case, you know, they had a really, really good shot of winning. I disagree with that. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you you could disagree with that. I I I am not going to be offended if you do. No, no, I know but that. What but I'm, uh, yeah, what, know. I'm, what I'm saying is, if they were, you know, a tenth of a second and a bounce away from going to the finals last year, and you want to put on, you know, put the albatross on him this year that it's finals or bust. I think that has to go out the window as soon as the season was stopped. Because this, you know, what we're coming back to is an animal that no one has, you know, has tried to ride before. You well, know, it's, is, it, is, it a, is it a nice pony ride or is it a bucking bronco? Y- you really don't know. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's an asterisk, but it's an asterisk in the sense of like, okay, he kind of gets a pass for this year, but – you know, and you and I, and you and I, kind of talked about this offline early in the week. What does this year do to next year? Is next year a shortened season, or do they just push the start of it back? 
Like, how long does this drag out then with Brett or any other coach in the league? You know, do, do, does he require a full 80, you know, 82-game season in 2020-2021 to then say that he had a fair shake? I don't know. So it's there's so many implications that are going to unfold over the course of the next month or two. It's going to be fascinating. Nah, and, and it will. But my, you know, my biggest, my biggest argument over the entire thing, and I, I think they will get pushed back. I think the NBA will get pushed back. Maybe a Christmas opening or something like that. But which I'd be perfectly fine with. Which would be pretty cool. Listen, I'll be honest with you. We can watch the NBA opening day. You know, you know, on Christmas, I think it would be fan- eight o'clock Christmas night. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be great. Oh, I, yeah. I, I think everybody would like that. But my my issue with, with with the Brett Brown, the bounce, the game, and his tenure up to this pausing point of the NBA is watch the final four minutes of that game. The final four minutes up to that bounce was a winnable game for the 76ers, and they made every fundamental mistake that you can make in that final minutes, in those final four minutes, and it transpired, it, you know, it, it basically transferred exactly into this year. Okay, so right? I, I hear what you're saying. Well, I suggest we stick a pin in that one and take, <laughs> and take it to heat ratio 115 because my, my question on that is going to be, is it young, inexperienced players not executing what the coach has given them versus a young, inexperienced coach not knowing which buttons to push. And, and I think and, that, and, that's, no, easily, I, that's easily an hour-long discussion in and itself. Listen, I, I, that's fine, but just remember <laughs> something. You say young, okay, we, we were an older veteran team than we were this year, in my opinion, because you had guys like J.J. Reddick on the floor. Okay, you don't have that guy this year. So, and the right, coach but I'm, I'm talking young in, responsible. young in terms of playoff young. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna have to dive into that because we 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 definitely we definitely don't agree there. But um, that's fine. That's what's all right. But you know, it's it's not that we don't agree because I at the end of the day, if you ask me, is has Brett Brown's tenure as the head coach of the 76ers been a success? My answer is no. But I don't completely blame him for that, which is probably why he gets a a little bit longer of a leash from me. I, I got to get Diaz on this show. I get me, you, and Diaz on this show because he's a, the all-time TTPer of of all time. Okay, <laughs> number one, Mister Positivity on the Sixers. So I would love to. Uh, us oh, God. going around so, table. You know, so, so here's what's going to happen: is you're going to be on one side, Diaz is going to be on the other, and I'm going to be like the the volley going back and forth. You may I be. See- because I see both sides of it. I do. Yeah, you may be. You, you definitely may be. <laughs> uh, so before before we get to Major League Baseball and, you know, before we get to some NFL talk, I, you know, I just want to say something because I just want to give a lot of love to all the podcasters out there. And the reason why I say that is because people have to remember that even though I, Mike, we, we've talked about this before. We know that, you know, that, like you, you spoke brilliantly about it with the demographic, you know, going towards the dial. I understand that. I get it. But I just wanted people to be open their minds up a little bit and, and open their eyes and their ears. And listen, there are some brilliant, brilliant people that are 
on a podcast that, that, that are doing fantastic work. And I don't think people realize how much guys like me and yourself and these podcasters put in to perfecting their game in order to speak eloquently and intelligently and give a different viewpoint and, and not only different, listen, here's the thing. It doesn't always have to be different. You can talk about the same kind of thing that may be talked about on the dial, but put it in a different format, get a difference of opinion, not just the same people day in and day out. And I just want to open up people like, cause listen, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing this for a long time. And I have plenty of people that follow me. You have plenty of people to follow you. And I love, like, you know, I give my boy Phil a shout out. You know, Phil Stifle just he just started the All About the Birds podcast. And, and the reason I want to say that is because for two years, Phil has followed me and has commented on all my stuff every day, right. all the time, right? And, you know, whether it be on Sportscaster, whether it be on PI, the Gambler, the Heat Ratio, whatever it is, he's always been there. And I think that's what people miss is those followers and how much that they mean to you and how much I love when I see guys like himself, I think they're in episode six or seven, just starting and loving every minute of it. And I just mm-hmm. think people have to look at things like that. I would agree with that. Um, I, I tend to be a little more cautious with my praise. And the only reason that I am is I do feel like we are now in an age where literally Anyone with a computer can start a podcast. Absolutely. And they're not all great. However, to your point, there are a ton of guys that are doing podcasts, internet radio, even, you know, spots on the dial where they may be on one day a week yep. that are far more informative talented and relevant than what we're used to hearing on the dial in the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past. You know, I got into it online earlier today. You and I have talked about it, uh, you know, earlier today is that there is a, a much older demographic on the sports radio scene in Philadelphia. Morning Joe. (laughs) <laughs> that, that tend, yeah, that, that tends to gravitate towards the dial. Yep. And I think what happens is, is these people don't understand that there are so many better options than what you hear on the dial simply by logging on to your laptop, tablet, or smartphone and, and just searching out, you know, seeking out the material that you want. Obviously, the market's flooded. And like you, you, you know it. I know it. We get Absolutely. it, right? Just yeah. like you said. And you know, there's that word aspiring, right? Aspiring sports people. That's what they do. And, and I got nothing but love for them because mm-hmm. they're trying. They're starting. But when you talk about people who have stood the test of time, but been around for a long time, I mean, listen, we've been doing this show. You, you know, your previous spot you were doing for what two, three years? Well, I was ATV I, radio, actually, right? I was, I was, uh, I was on A2D over four years. So that's a long time, man. Yeah, we we were we were closing in on 200 shows just on my primary show. Um, I also did guest shots on two other shows on that station. And when I first got there, we were covering high school football and basketball 
So there was, there, there's been a lot going on for me over the, the last five years. So when you say aspiring, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, and and I just I, I just love that there there is many options out there. And I just want to speak to the people and say, listen. Obviously, I want you to make you know the heat ratio sports podcast your number one because obviously I'm a little you know uh, yeah that's a little favoritism there. But at the same time, I want you to be able to open your mind and look out and say, you know what, there are some other options out there as well that. Maybe you're going to pique my interest. So that being said, oh, there, there's great <laughs> options. I mean, oh. I got, I've got nothing but love for, for my guys at A2D. They're, they're nope. fantastic. I, I love the green Legion. Nope. Um, you know, there, there's a couple others out there that I may not be a huge fan of, but I can readily admit that they do a great job. So see that, you know, that's exactly that. That's a good point because, and, and that's what I love because listen, you may not like it, you may not be a fan of it, but sometimes, you know, you have to respect it in the sense that you oh. say, listen, I may not listen. I don't like Angelo Cataldi. Okay. But I respect that the guy's been around forever. Right. right. You know, everybody has a different flavor. Not everybody. May, may, people may not like the Green Legion. Some people like them. Some people don't. But they say, you know, what? these guys have been around a long time. You know, and, and, you know, you, you named it the podcast over over time. That, you know, every single one of whether it be local or national and everybody has a different flavor. That's what right. makes them so great. Absolutely. Uh, but but talking about, you know, different flavors, Peter, <laughs> Peter King. Oh, my I, goodness. Right. I, I, so, and again, here we go. Peter King, staying the test of time, one of the most highly, you know, incredulous reporters in all of the NFL or you say sports, uh, morning quarterback session, SB Nation. The guy's been around forever. And he always has really good insight. And sometimes these guys put things out and they make you kind of say, not, not to break off a little CNC music factory, but like things that make you go, hmm, hmm. right? Right, exactly. <laughs> And, and I'm looking, and and I said this to you, and number one, it was because the Eagles are 15. I'm thinking, wait a minute. So he's putting this out, and the Eagles are 15. I, well, I'm not understanding let, that. Let's run this down real quick. So they have – or Peter has the Chiefs at one, the Ravens at two, Saints at three, 49ers at four, Bucks at five. So so let's let's stick with that top five for a second. So – Chiefs, Ravens, Saints, 49ers, Bucks. You have an issue with that? I have an issue with the Saints. Okay. Number three. I, I, I don't understand the number three. I, I would move the Niners up to the three spot. I really okay. would. And I would take the Saints. And I know you. I would take the Saints at number six and flop them with the Seahawks. Okay. So That's I don't, I I don't, do. I don't necessarily, I don't have a problem with the Saints moving down. Um, I do. I have a problem with the Bucks being there because while I understand that they've acquired Tom Brady, they've acquired Rob Gronkowski, neither of those guys is what you'd call a spring chicken anymore. And while I think the Bucks have the potential to, to really sort of run away with the NFC South and make a lot of noise in the, the playoffs – they could also fall flat on their faces. And to me, you know, the Bucks kind of have to prove it before I put them in my top five. Now, it's, it, it, it's interesting because there's been a lot of talk in this offseason about Tom Brady and from a, a quarterback standpoint, from a team standpoint to say, listen, you know, does he have it left? And, it, you know, is he going to be able to go with another team and, and just automatically just say, here you go, you're going to run with it. 
And it's funny because you look at what you just said and you look at the scenario and you think about it and say, okay, so Tom Brady basically did a lot with nothing in New England mm-hmm. many times. Right. So now he goes to an offense where, you know, he acquires an unbelievable amount of talent. I, oh, God, you're going to take the words right out of my mouth. Go for it. Go ahead. Right? No, no, it, keep, right? keep going. So, yeah, keep, keep going, man. So I just keep thinking to myself, Okay, he had nobody. It was almost like Carson Wentz last year, you know, because, listen, I love Julian Edelman, but Julian Edelman was playing hurt all year long. So Tom Brady had nobody to throw to last year. And I look at – you bring Tom in and you bring – the Mike Evans factor. I mean, we're we're, going to talk fantasy football tomorrow, uh, you know, on the Heat Ratio Sports Podcast. And and Mike Evans is – I mean, just – he's up the lad, maybe the top two receiver in the league right now when you come to NFL fantasy from my point because I think Brady's going to throw them all day long. But I look at it and I say, you added Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in a Bruce Arians offense and a really good defense. So – I don't know how that's any different or any worse than what he's had in New England for the last two years. Oh, it, it's Obviously, not, but yeah, but I think factor, right? I yeah, mean, but I mean, my my whole thing with with the Bucks right now is, do they have too many mouths to feed? Because you have three tight ends in Gronkowski, OJ Howard, and Cameron Brait, and two stud wide receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Not to mention all of the really good role players that they had last year that, you know, even a quarterback like Jameis Winston could make look good. And Ronald Jones finally started to come around in the running game. So, you know, I understand that there is no such thing as too many weapons, but maybe, just maybe, there's going to be such a thing as too many mouths to feed. There could be. Um, you know, we talked about the tight end situation before they even got Rob Gronkowski. The only thing I would say is Cameron Brait is more of a, a red zone target, I would think. Agreed. And, right? And O.J. Howard, very skilled, but never took his potential to that next step. Uh, so I think it's it's a great scenario for him because you have Rob Gronkowski. And you're right. Listen, we all know. I mean, Rob Gronkowski has lost his uh, 24-7 title to R-Truth again. <laughs> The other night in his backyard, right? So, uh, oh, you know, and he was set up by his best friend. How great is that? Uh, that was actually, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, Rob, yeah, he's such a bad actor, though, man. He needs to <laughs> stick to the body shots on a yacht, and, and, and that's his biggest thing. But, you know, my thing about Rob is you don't even know if he's going to be healthy. I mean, yeah, he looks good because he gets hurt so easily. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, and the good thing about that is you do have a guy like Howard and Break to fall back on. But, you know what? If anybody can find a way, to get those mouths fed, it's it's going to be Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. I mean, we look at the teams that Bruce Arians has had in the past and the amount of talent that he's had at the wide receiver position in order to try to get those involved. So I don't think that's an issue at all, to be honest with you. And it's funny you mentioned Ronald Jones because I kept saying to myself, there's no way Tampa Bay is coming into this season with Ronald Jones as their running back or Peyton Barber as their number two. I kept thinking – you know, but then I start looking back, and besides Edger and James, Bruce Arians never really had a, a an unbelievable. I mean, we're talking Joseph Adai, Dominic Rhodes. He's never he's never really had that guy. 
So he and he's made it work. So maybe you know Ronald Jones comes on a little bit. Maybe he, you know he puts on a little muscle in the offseason, and, and and maybe he's good enough to be that guy. And we'll see. I, I think it's going to be what's going to be interesting is going to be the you know the Belichick philosophy that Brady brings with him versus the the Arians philosophy because you know how much Tom Brady loves throwing to his backs out of the backfield. So, uh, you know, the backs have always been a big part of the passing game in New England. And is that something that Brady can, I I don't want to say abandon, but, you know, understand that that's not necessarily a staple of the Arians attack. Who knows? It'll be interesting. It really will. But, I mean, you know, when we get back to this list and we look at, those, you know, that's seven to ten range when he has the Titans at seven. Well, let's let's do six. Right? Through, let's do six through ten. So we have the Seahawks at six, the Titans at seven, the Raiders at eight, the Cowboys at nine, and the Steelers at ten. So go ahead. Wow, I, you know the Raiders, huh? The Raiders at eight. I look- see. Now here's the thing: is I think the Raiders have improved immensely. There's still no way that they're a top twelve team. No, I, 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 I'm shocked that he's got the Raiders at eight. I mean, what, what have they done in my, in your opinion, that you know could make him think that they, they're all the way up in that top ten? I, you know, I know. Listen, I they had a good draft. I get it. Well, that's, that's what it is. Is they they have Gruden and they had a good draft, and that's really all that they have. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, you know, and I, I think Josh Jacobs is gonna have a, a, a remarkable year this, oh, yeah. this I mean, season. Jo- Josh Jacobs is a stud, but are, are you sold on Derek Carr? Because I'm not. And, and neither was Gruden. And that's the funny thing. I mean, Gruden wants sold Derek Carr. No, Gruden so, wanted Tom Brady. Exactly. So, I mean, so now uh, I, I don't know what's going on with, with Peter King with this. Uh, the Titans at number seven, I, you know, I, I like the Titans a lot. I love Mike Vrabel. I, you know, I talk, you know, I talked about him before the season started last year. I, you know, for some reason, those grit, you know, you can pick out certain guys, certain, mm-hmm. and a lot of them happen to be linebackers, but you can pick out certain guys that you know are, will be unbelievable head coaches, like, like, or even, a, even an unbelievable coach. I think like one day, like Brent Selleck would be the ultimate coach. I just think, you know, cause he has that kind of, fiery about him and, and he's a fundamentalist and you know he's a gritty guy and, and that's what Rabel is but that that Tennessee team to take a guy and you basically bench Mariota who's supposed to be your future and you make Ryan Tannehill look like he did wow I mean yeah unbelievable I mean well, Derrick Henry and, and, and here here's where I'm going with this though I like the Titans a lot I think they're a top 10 team but I feel like they are like 9, 10, not 7. Because if Derrick Henry goes down with an injury, that team is done. So who do you who are you moving up, though, if you're taking the Bucks out of five? I'm dropping the Bucks down. I'll rearrange but the top four. Chiefs, Ravens, I'm fine with. I'll go 49ers at yep. three, Saints at four. I'll go Seahawks at five. I'm fine with that. The Bucks probably drop down to six, seven, maybe even a little lower. Um, I am—I I actually feel like the Vikings and the Packers 
And this takes us into our 11 through 15. Vikings, Packers, Bills, Colts, and Eagles. I feel like the Vikings and the Packers are both probably lower than they should be. I feel like both of them could be top 10. And 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 frankly, I feel like the Eagles could be a top 10. So do I. I feel like the Colts could be a top 10. I I do. I I feel like the Colts and Bills are probably where they should be, maybe a tick high, or I'm sorry, a tick low. Cowboys might be a tick high. The the team that I really have the questions about, honestly, is the Steelers. Yeah, I, me I, too. I look at them at 10 and I think, okay, that could be a really good spot for them. And then I think about it again and go, wow, I don't know. Seems high. I'd actually flip both PA teams around. I'd put the Steelers at 15 and put the Eagles at 10. And you know what? If you would have presented this list to me without context and the Eagles were at 10 and the Steelers were at 15, I think I would have been perfectly okay with it. Yeah, I'm not. The Steelers have so many question marks going into the season. I'm I'm really in in shock on why Peter King thinks they're a top 10 team. I mean, maybe, you know, obviously, listen, Peter King has been there for a long time and Obviously, opinions that everybody has is what makes this business great. But I just very curious. I mean, you you have a a, a guy in Ben Roethlisberger who let's let's not make no mistake about it. He's on his last legs here. Well, but here's the thing, though, and you know this as well as I do. Peter King has always been a Ben Roethlisberger guy. He has, but you know, if you're going to put out a list like this, you have to take everything in perspective. And uh, you know, you have to look at the defensive line that 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 lost a little bit you have to look at all the turmoil they had on that team last year uh you know i'm a huge mike tomlin guy but you know mike tomlin had some issues last year so uh it, it's it's interesting to see them at 10 i agree with you with the packers and the vikings i think the cowboys should be dropped a little bit mm-hmm. i think the colts to me i would flip the colts and the raiders i would i, I am I, I listen i think phil rivers is going to have an exceptional year this year just because I think he'll be used a lot differently when it comes to Indianapolis. Uh, you know, Anthony Lynn leaned on him a ton over the last couple of years, and it showed last year when I think he should have relied on the running game a little more than throwing the ball 40 times a game. And, and I think that's what Reich will be able to do out there in Indianapolis. And I think, you know, if he even if Frank Reich takes five attempts away a game from Philip Rivers and is able to protect him more than they did in San Diego. I think Philip Rivers is going to be a gunslinger out there when it comes to that, you know, that 10 to 12 yard passing game. And, you know, I think it's going to be huge. And they, they were already really good last year. You know, T.Y. Hilton, it, it, you know, he gets healthy again this year. Their offensive line looked very good last year. It's going to look even better this year. You know, they, they have Marlon Mack back. So I, I think they have those options to take them up into that top 10. Now, see, it, it's funny because I was actually thinking that Philip Rivers is the perfect head coach, <laughs> or sorry, Phil, or a perfect quarterback with Reich as the head coach on a team that is willing to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands and grind it out because I love their running backs. I'm a huge, huge Marlon Mack fan. Yep. And I, you know, I, I just feel like 
we, if we, you know, if you take a look at their running back situation, I mean, they have Marlon Mack, they have Naeem Hines, um, they have the kid Anderson that they drafted out of North Dakota State. They still have uh, Wilkins too. You know, I, I mean, they have weapons in the backfield. Well, it's funny because you mentioned Hines, who you know, I'm really high on. I was high on last year, and he played exceptional last year in a role that he was given. And now you you kind of have, you know, what you you know, Philip kind of has what he had in San Diego when you had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Right. You kind of have that, right, in Mac mm-hmm. and Hines. So you have that connection. And, that you know, you have T.Y. Hilton, who's kind of like you're Keenan Allen. You know, and I'm not sure. Forgive me if I'm I misspoke here. I don't know. Did Eric Ebron is he back? Because he was a free agent. Uh, I'm not sure if they re-signed him or not. No, Eric Ebron. I will get. He did sign elsewhere. Yeah. See? Let me let me get that for you though. Uh, they still got the. Continue your thought though. And they still got Jack Doyle, who right. who is a decent tight end. Uh, you know that he's going to get looked to very often. Uh, he kind of like a sleeper tight end for fantasy football, obviously, because you know Philip Rivers. Let, let's make no mistake about it. All, all he had to say is Antonio Gates, right? So yeah. we, we, he even made like uh, who was the other guy that he made even good? Hunter Henry? No, no, it was it was like before Hunter Henry was drafted. Was it Virgil Green? Oh, Virgil or, Green, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you were just picking up tight ends for the San Diego Chargers. Eric e- Philip Rivers. Eric Ebron uh, signed with the Steelers. Oh, wow. Check that out. Yeah. So, okay. So, Heath Miller and, and Eric Ebron mm-hmm. out there in Pittsburgh for uh, Big Ben. So, yeah, listen, I'm with you, Mike. I, I, I think it's the perfect scenario. Fra- to me, Frank Reich is the perfect coach for Phil Rivers. He really is. I, you know, and, and obviously you see how he was kind of like – the go-to guy here when we, you know, with Carson and Nick, uh, you know, and, and everybody in that room. So I think it's just going to be a, a very good spot for Phillip Rivers. And and that's why I think the culture, you know, shouldn't be a 14. I, I, I think they should be much higher. Uh, you know, the Vikings you mentioned, obviously I think they should be a tad higher. But, again, Kirk Cousins, never the guy for me. You know, they, they let Stephon Diggs go. Obviously you have Adam Thielen come back hopefully healthy, you know, Dalvin Cook, who is just a flat-out stud. Love watching Dalvin Cook play if he can oh, yeah. healthy, right? At Green Bay, always going to have question marks at Green Bay because, listen, the only thing I think that can rock Green Bay is any kind of turmoil that happens between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, the, the love effect, like we'll call it, uh, you know, for them to bring in a quarterback in the first round, it, definitely interesting, you know, kind of just like the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts in the second. But, listen, Aaron Rodgers, still the magic man, still one of my top quarterbacks in the NFL who I would have on a, a two-minute drive any day of the week. So when you have Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're always going to be good. And their defense got a lot better last year. So hopefully uh, with them, maybe that moves them up. The Bills, uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know where I'm at the Bills. You know, I love McDermott. You know, I really like Josh Allen. I think he's a nice young kid. I think he's an up-and-coming, I'll say – really good quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be a star, uh, but I think he'll be able to get the job done if he learns how to get his accuracy down just a little bit better. I think Stephon Diggs out there will obviously help give him that, right? I mean, now you have John Brown, you have Stephon Diggs. I mean, a nice little connection out there in Buffalo. Oh, I I agree completely. Um, I think the biggest thing for Josh Allen is going to be that, 
you know, that next year of development and learning when to run versus when to make a throw versus when to just throw it away. And I think if he, if he takes that next step with the addition of Stefan Diggs and a solid running game there, I think they could be a, a force in the AFC East. You know, I have to say, I want to ask you because I, I kind of slept on Sean McDermott. Like, you know, there's certain guys, when you see coordinators get jobs, you're like, you know what? These guys are a really good head coach. I thought McDermott was not going to work out. I, I did not think he was going to be as successful, especially in Buffalo, of all places. Uh, and he was. I mean, he turned out to be a really, really good head coach. Agreed. And I think that's, you know, that's a testament to the – I mean, can we call it the Andy Reid coaching I, tree at this point? I was going to ask that. I think it is. Because, you know, it's it's Andy, but, you know, Andy was off of that Paul Holmgren tree who was off of that Bill Walsh tree. So It's one it, hell of a tree. Bro. It is. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing tree. Wow. I mean, you think of the names off of that coach. I, it is – it's unbelievable because, you know, and, and I'm sure even just you, you would mention the name right now. And, and, you know, sometimes I'd say, well, I didn't even know he was off that tree. I mean, you look at that tree and it is phenomenal. The amount of talent that came through the ranks. Oh, yeah. Really do. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Super Bowl winners. Yeah. Right. Super Bowl and, winners. And, and depending on, you know, to, to how many branches you want to take it. That's what I mean. I, I mean, the reality of it is, is that I mean, if you look at the NFC East right now, three out of the four coaches in the NFC East are off of that tree in Philly, Washington, and Dallas. Yep. And it, and if you dig hard enough, you know, you might find it in New York too. You're absolutely right. The funny thing is, when you talk about the NFC East and, and we you think about it, I mean, you're talking about in McCarthy. In Peterson and Rivera, what a phenomenal coaching, you know, tree just in the NFC East that we get to look forward to. It's listen, this, you know, no more Jason Garrett, boys. You know, you can say what you want about Mike McCarthy. He's got a ring. Yeah. Right. You say what you want about Mike McCarthy, but he's got a ring. He knows what to do. I've always been a Ron Rivera guy. Love Ron Rivera. Uh, I, I really do. I, I think he's an exceptional coach. I, I think. You know, it, it kind of was, uh, you know what? He ran a course in Carolina, just like Andy Reid ran a course in Philly. Uh, I think it was time to go. And obviously, you see what he did last two days, three days. I mean, he was scooped up pretty fast, uh, just like Andy Reid was by the hunt, by the hunts out there in uh, Kansas City. They knew what they wanted, and Dan Sawyer knew what he wanted too. So I think Rivera, the biggest, obviously, the, the biggest issue we'll have is with Daniel Snyder. Uh, but Besides that, and same thing goes for McCarthy, the biggest issue he's going to have is Jerry Jones. That's the one thing where Doug Peterson, I think, has the edge up with those guys. He has more of a hands-off owner when it comes to that. But, yeah, that tree, Mike, is, is exceptional. I, my God, Mariucci. So the name that we were missing was Joe Judge, is part of the Belichick tree. Born in Philadelphia, um, his father played at Temple. But Joe Judge played at Mississippi State, was part of that, uh, you know, part of the New England um, coaching staff from 2012 through 2019, 
Prior to that, he was at the University of Alabama. It was Kevin Stefanski was the, Kevin uh, the name that I was thinking of now with Cleveland, who is also from the Philadelphia area and is also a part of that Andy Reid tree yes, he is. as an assistant under a couple different coaches. You're right. I mean, uh, it, like when you start breaking it down, I, I think we're going to do maybe a heat ratio 116. I'd love to break <laughs> down that tree. I mean, uh, we already got the topics for one. But I, I'd love to just get, you know, we're going to do like an ancestry tree, uh, you know, when it comes to coaches. And I, I, I want to start with Bill Walsh and kind of just break it down and just, just, just to see all the names that come off there. I, it's going to be enormous. And, and, you know, it really is. Well, Gruden is off of there. Yep. I mean, it it would be interesting just to go around the NFL right now and look at all of the current NFL coaches who, I mean, you could do three degrees of separation. Like, how many current NFL head coaches have three degrees of separation from Bill Walsh? If you go back and you look at the the Bill Walsh coaching staffs in San Francisco, well, that's where Mooch, Mooch was off of that. Yeah, right? but I mean, if you if you look at the Walsh coaching staffs in San Francisco and then just start, you know, following some of those guys and then who those guys wound up hiring, yeah. it, it's unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, it's I, it, a lot of it did stem. It, it, the funny thing is, it's exactly what you said. When you, when you look at Walsh and you go right to, right to Holmgren and you look at Holmgren straight, I think Holmgren probably has – you know, the branches that Holmgren has probably are the best. I, convert, I, I, yeah. I, you know, we'll look at it, but I really do. I think I think the guys that came off that Holmgren tree uh, were pretty amazing. Well, then here, here's like the trick question for you, though. So if you have a guy like Andy Reid, who was on Bill Walsh's staff, but really, you know, maybe not in a prominent role, and went to a more prominent role in Green Bay with Holmgren, is he a is he a Walsh guy or is he a Holmgren guy? Yeah, like, like who gave on that chance, right? Yeah, like we I think we we we'd have to look really hard at you know who who gave these guys their first shot. It'll be interesting. No, definitely will, definitely will. And 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 the the parlay into final shots. I got to ask you: Is there going to be a major league baseball season this year? <laughs> my 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 gut feeling right now is no. Yeah, me too. I Me just too. i I feel like there is just so much back and forth, and the owners don't want to budge because of finances, and the players are you know the players have one eye to that next collective bargaining agreement that has to be negotiated for twenty twenty two and beyond and i I feel like we're you know. We're going to have a you know an old western standoff basically. They're they're just going to stare each other down, and we're going to get to a point where it's going to be too late in the summer to start a baseball season, and everything will then be you know turning turning the attention to next year. Nah, listen, I completely agree. I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, and I just I, I don't see any end in sight. No matter what the proposals are, whether it be Major League Baseball whether it be the players union back and forth, back and forth. And then not to mention, you know, with the KBO 
who had just had two confirmed cases of COVID-19 to see how they are going to be affected and to see what they do, you know, as opposed to Major League Baseball, because that's the issue. The biggest issue I have is Major League Baseball. We're not even talking about logistics. We're not talking about health. We're talking about Benjamins. Right. right? And, and that's the problem. Let, let, let's sort out the health issues first. Let's sort out the logistics first, and then we'll get down to money. And I think that's what the other leagues did. And if they didn't do that, Mike, they did it behind the scenes and didn't let it get out, which was a smart move to make. Oh, I, I agree 100%. I think the biggest error that was made in the entire situation with Major League Baseball was that too much of the negotiation with the players' union was handled through the media. Yep. And... I, I mean, when is, you that, have, is that is that is that not to cut you off? But is that Scott Bars? You know, is that guys like Bars kind of in you know trying to light a fire under everybody by see? I don't. The media? I, I don't know because I feel like Boris was relatively quiet until the owners started leaking details of the deals that they had offered, and when the owners started leaking details of the deals that they had offered. That's when Boris, I think, kind of started talking about players should hold their ground and this, that, and the third. So I, it, it, it kind of be, it becomes a which came first, chicken or the egg. No, you're, that's true. That's true. I, it, it's just a shame because, uh, you know, we, we, we've been beating the drum for the last couple of weeks and just, just for a, a sport that so desperately needed to bring the audience back in a positive way, they, they've really, really dropped the ball on this one. Agreed. So the funny thing is, and, and, and sticking to the baseball theme is obviously I, I'm sure you've seen it, but you know that you know NBC Sports Philly is running the 2008 postseason, which finally they've listened, and I don't know why it's taken this long. But I watched game two last night, and I'm you know the, the Brett Myers game. We all know him, CC Sabathia. I, I mean, it just goes down in history. You know, of what happened in that game and that series. But, you know, it just makes me look at the fans and it makes me hear and see, still got goosebumps, and say, is, is it ever going to be like that again? Can we ever expect Citizens Bank Park to be rocking like that once again? I sure hope so, is all I have to say. Because it was, it, it was something that you'll, you know, if you don't experience, you're, you're missing out. My response to that is, if they are able to re-sign JT, JT Real Muto, Bryson Stott develops the way they expect him to, Reese Hoskins can return to his rookie season form, and Spencer Howard is the arm that they think he can be, there is a ton of potential for Citizens Bank Park to return to that. It may not be for an extended period, but it absolutely can get back to that level of intensity and fandom. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. Because sometimes when you watch that, you say to yourself, wow, did, did we really appreciate this to the fullest extent at that time? Because n- normally – Let's be honest. We, we, we live in a, a lot of us live in moments. And when you're living in a moment, sometimes you don't, you know, or you aren't able to break it down and, and be as intricate with the finer details of it. And when you look at it 
right now, you play it back and you see the rally tales, uh, you know, you, the bridge to Lidge and you watch Lidge and Ryan Howard. It's just the effortless plays by Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. And then the lineup, you know, th- th- that one through six was just wow. I mean, and then you got a guy like Chooch who was so underrated in those playoffs. No, totally right? underrated. <laughs> I mean, a guy that it's funny when you, you, you know, you go back and you read some of the quotes. Joe Madden in Tampa Bay was like, listen, of all the horse they have in the lineup, I was actually worried about Chooch because he just, you know, he's your number eight guy, number seven sometimes because sometimes you put Pedro Feliz in there. But it's like, wow, this guy, he could kill you too. No, it, it was 100% just, agreed, man. It, it was just the, the good thing about what you said, the thing that brings me hope is if those young guys develop and, and Bryce Harper just keeps being our, you know, our you know, our, our power guy, our, our leader, our marketable player. And, you know, Aaron Nola can – listen, he's not going to be Cole Hamels. There's only – I don't like the comparison because there's only one Cole Hamels. Cole right. Hamels, right, he was electric. But if Aaron Nola can be who we know he can be, that series proved one thing. We only had Cole Hamels. So if we only have Aaron Nola and we can – you know, Zach Wheeler – can kind of develop into a really, really good number two, which I think he can be. I mean, listen, we have Brett Myers and Jamie Moyer and Joe Blanton. I mean, let, let, let's not forget. I mean, we won with a pretty interesting rotation. No, but, for, for sure. <laughs> I mean, for sure. let's not forget. But, you know, you know, but the bullpen was yeah, amazing. Let, let's not make any bones about it. Outside no. of Cole Hamels, <laughs> that team was offense and bullpen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Brett Myers pitches hard out, right? And, and I mean, J- Jamie Moyer, the ageless one, I mean, you know, he pitches his arm out, right? But and, and Kentucky Joe, God bless him. I mean, he, right? <laughs> Fat Joe on the mic, uh, you handed me. But, but remember, like, when we, when we were trying to acquire him from Oakland, I mean, he gave us exact – he was a 10-10 a and 10 guy. That's what you know what I mean. That's what that's what he was. He was an average guy, but he was a what an innings eater, and that's what we need. A guy give us to the fifth or sixth inning, so we could start with the Jad, the Chad Durbin, the J.C. Romero's, the Scott Ayers, the Ryan Madsen. I mean, and the Bridge the Lidge, right? And the Brad Lidge. I mean, we had that that benefit. So I just, oh man, like I'm just keeping my fingers crossed because I, I you know, watching that all over again is still gives me goosebumps. Amen. 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 So, and, you know, before we go, we'll talk a little bit. Obviously, you know, we'll go four for four. And, you know, with Gary Bettman in NHL, who's kind of rather been a little silent over the last week or so, ever since they announced that they came up with the format, the return to play. But, I, I, you know, I think there's been some stuff going on behind the scenes logistically to make sure, you know, is it going to be Vegas where their main hub is and things of that scenario. But what do you expect out of hockey? Do you, you know, obviously, do you expect them to draw the audience? Because I do. I uh, put it this way. I actually think the way that hockey has designed their reentry or their return was absolutely brilliant. Love it. From, from both a competitive standpoint and to do something unique that will pull the fans back in from day one. You got to remember, fans are not used to watching hockey through warm weather months, through the summer. And 
this is going to be something, especially, and, you know, we talked about it with basketball, but if Major League Baseball doesn't return, I actually think there's a really good chance for hockey to give the NBA an absolute run for their money for the, the, the casual fan viewership over the course of the summer. Uh, I think it's a great point, you know, because when, when else, I mean, let's face it, if they prolong this, we could possibly be talking about four sports at one time. Am I, am I right with that? I, I mean, if baseball does return, yes. I mean, it's crazy. Think about it. You're, you're, you're going to have your pick. I mean, what, what are you going to watch? It's tough. I mean, think about it. You could have a Sunday afternoon where you're talking, you got an NBA, NHL, Major League, and NFL game. I mean, think about that. I don't, nobody's talking about that. Well, and, and here's the really unique part. So, assuming Major League Baseball is played with no fans in the stands, and the NHL Eastern Conference hub will be Columbus, Pittsburgh, Toronto, whatever. And the NBA is being played in Orlando. You could conceivably have a Phillies home game going on at the same time as an Eagles home game going on at the same time as a Sixers game in Orlando going on at the same time as a Flyers game in Toronto. Wow. Wild. It is wild. I mean, listen, 2020, man, it's been a twister. Why not, right? 2020 has been a twister of a year. So why not have a four for four on a Sunday? I mean, imagine, imagine the radio logistics that would need to take place with that, Mm. where you'd have, you know, you'd probably have, the, you'd have the birds on 94. You'd have <laughs> probably, probably have OGL pick up the Phillies. And then you'd have, you know, I'm guessing the Flyers or the, yeah, the Sixers on 97.5 and the Flyers on 93.3. So you'd have four FM stations in Philadelphia on a Sunday afternoon playing sports. You know, I, I, that's wild. I, it is that wild. That is wild. And before we go, I have to ask you, because it, it just made me think of something. And I, I, I want to hear your opinion on this, because you mentioned 97.5. And we, and we start this show talking about podcasting and radio dials. And unless you're a dinosaur under a rock somewhere, you all know what happened with Mike Missanelli last week. We all seen it countless times over the Internet, seen it through the Twitter profiles, everybody making memes, you know, him going off of Tyrone and Natalie. What do you take of that? You know, is is it – because I'll tell you my opinion real fast. And, and, and I was a Mikey Miss guy, always been a Mikey Miss guy. And okay. what I mean by that is coming up, I always listened to Mikey Miss. I, mm-hmm. I, was a, I, it was, I wasn't an asking guy. I was a Mikey Miss guy. But I you know when Mikey Miss, the way I think I know Mikey Miss, is that moment to me sums up one thing that Mikey Miss feels everyone is inferior to him. And God forbid Tyrone and Natalie try to say that what he's saying has no credence. He lost it. 
And to me, he's sitting there in his mind going, you two don't even deserve to be in the same studio as me. How dare you try to defy what I'm trying to say? Now, and see, I, I, I will agree with about 90% of what you said. I think the piece of this that doesn't get enough play in the scenario is that Mike is, is a lawyer. Yes. I mean, Mike has a law degree. And teaches at St. Joe's. Right. So Mike is talking to Tyrone and Natalie as not only a radio host, but a lawyer. And when they are refusing to see his point of view as a radio host, it's fine. But when they're refusing to see his point of view as a lawyer, he lost it. And to me, I actually kind of take a step back from that and say, lawyers shouldn't be losing it in that situation. <laughs> a lawyer's got to remain cool in that situation. Yeah, he was like all, all out Colonel Jessup on the stand right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 went, great, he went a few great, great reference. Uh, let me tell you something. One of my best movies of all time. Uh, but I got, listen, we're going to end this on that note, which is great. Uh, Mike, thank you again. I think it was a fantastic show. We won a one-hour strong, me and you. Great points again. If you're out there, follow us at Heat Ratio Sports on Twitter, at Heat Ratio Sports on Facebook, at Heat Ratio Sports on YouTube. Uh, you know, bigger, better things coming on. We're going to have John and Dave hopefully on the next episode. We're going to talk some fantasy football. We have a new segment called Fantasy Fire where we're going to break down each division in the NFL leading up to the start, talk about all the worthwhile fantasy players, some busts, some sleepers, this and that. So, again, for at Ticatolo23, Tony Zixalcatillo, at Big Mikey Smalls, Mike Mataraki, you're listening to At Heat Ratio Podcast number 114. And we'll see you again next week.